2: Hello everybody and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi, with me this week is my fantastic co-host, Joe Perez. How you doing, Joe?
1: I have learned how to export WoW characters from the model viewer and 3D print them so you can physically hold them. So I'm doing fantastic. How are you? That's interesting to me because that's what figure prints used to do, isn't it? It is, but Fingerprints... Uh, so it, it. I was actually having this discussion with a bunch of folks yesterday and today as I was figuring out how to do this. Um, Fingerprints is a different technology and actually an older technology that used almost like a powdered paper that would have, be pigmented and then be put together, like fused together in some capacity. And it was really, really cool. I think the first time I saw it happen was 2008, 2009, it was really cool early 3d printing technology even at a uh, industrial level but it mainly focused around low poly stuff printing on texture instead of uh having anything that was like physically 3d modeled uh and then they were very very weak uh i remember a ton of people that would that had ordered them and they weren't cheap they're still that cheap you can still get them they're like 150 bucks us um but because they're that compressed paper If you lived in an area that was extremely humid uh, and you had them delivered during a humid season, they could potentially just fall apart or disintegrate. Um, I actually came in
2: like a plastic ball. Like I thought they came in like a globe or like a dome.
1: Well, kind of. So it was like a like a, a. a plinth that had a glass top to it, sort of like if you look at those old classic movies uh, where you're in the study and somebody's got, like, something super important under a glass dome, but the dome is removable. That's how they were shipped. I think it was a plastic dome. Um, so it wasn't actually, like, sealed in any way. So it was very, very interesting. But they weren't – they're not very durable. You can still get them. And, it's, and like I said, it's a really cool concept. Uh but not quite the same. And even now, the one that exists now is, is while it's using the new models from the game, uh, it's not, it's still the same material. And while the technology has improved considerably over the last, you know, 12 years, it's not to the same point that a resin printer can do. So like I printed my character as a test in two and a half hours and this thing is ABS-like plastic quality, I could throw this thing on the floor, and it's going to bounce. It's not going to break. So, like, it's it's interesting to me how far the technology has gone. And I could probably talk about this for several hours because this is my huge passion, uh, but it's really, really cool that I can now take files of characters out of game and make them manifold, which means watertight, uh, smooth out the polys so that they're not completely... Uh, like low poly flat pieces, and because of how far WoW has come, uh, everything has texture now, or almost everything has texture, which is fascinating because back in Burning Crusade, they were flat. You know, back in Wrath of the Lich King, they were flat. Like, if you got a, a piece of shoulder or something like that and had texture on it, it wasn't an actual 3D piece or, or something that was modeled into it. It was a projected texture over a wireframe, essentially. And now, when you get armor and you get uh, shoulders or, or anything like that, it is an actual 3D composite material. Like, it's... It's an object it's it is something that you can actually have not, not not everything is some things don't have it like robes still have printed on texture and things like that but it's it's fascinating to me how much is actually like being 3D modeled and 3D rendered right now um, and then how many of the older things are still that flat projected texture but it's it's been really wild like just to see the journey of how things have been. I don't really have much to say other than at some point I will probably ask you to print out this character that I'm
2: currently using to point at something. But dangerously, because she's using fist weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting week. Uh, as we said, mentioned briefly in the pre-show, this week is the BlizzCon line is coming out this Friday. So you'll get to everyone can go to see it free. There's no fee or anything. It's not like the virtual ticket used to be. You can, we can all watch these various panels and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, a lot of the panels have been pre-recorded, um, which I think is actually kind of interesting. I think it's good. I mean, There's more stuff you can do, and nobody has to, like be in one they don't have to all be there at once to get it all done so that's cool well not only but, that but
1: the production value gets to actually be there because one of the biggest problems i always had with blizzcons was and and i used to joke with adam holinsky all the time about this is that doing live audio especially for something that big and that long and that many different individual pieces is a nightmare if you do pre-recorded stuff you can make sure that your audio doesn't drop out or you have backups or you have ways that you don't have to worry about you know your audience physically there or at home not being able to hear what's going on which happened several times over the last several years it's 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 cool it's cool to see them adapting and doing something in my opinion uh that i think will improve the online
2: schedules out for it as well so you can go look at that and see what they're going to be talking about and what there's uh we we already knew that they're not going to be an overwatch 2 or diablo 4 this year that that's already something that was said during the blizzard earnings call so we're not shocked you know there's still a diablo q a and other diablo panels so I'm, I'm sure they're going to be talking about diablo stuff what with two diablo games in the pipeline one of which will be coming out this year uh, with diablo immortal um obviously wow's got stuff to tell us about because we've got we've just got patch 9.0.5 on the ptr with a march release time we know it's coming out in march if they can help it mm-hmm. and that amazing um that's a that's pretty fast turnout turnaround for something that's just going on the ptr last week uh but after 9.0.5 what do we got coming uh that's one of the things we're hoping that we will find out at blizzcon line um well
1: considering that one of the first panels they have is what world of warcraft what's next we can hope
2: but so i was actually going to turn that over to joe for a second what do you what are you looking forward to the most what are you hoping we get to see
1: Uh, As far as like what I'm hoping they reveal, um, I want to know what the next story beats are going to be, obviously, like where we're going from here, because we've caught up with the campaigns and that's sort of like my most interesting or or the thing that I'm most interested about. Um, The other thing that I'm looking forward to is I want more information about uh, Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2. I know that we're not going to get any announcements this year. Uh, but I'm really excited about the development process for both of those things. Diablo 4 and Diablo Immortal are bigger, I think, uh, than Diablo 3 in scope of what they're trying to do, but also more focused at the same time as far as what their development is. But we haven't heard much about it, so I'm looking forward to uh, hearing more things out of that process, particularly from like the What's Next and the Developer Roundtable. I don't think those are going to be the mo- more interesting things. I'm also really interested they have an interview with uh, Bram which I think is going to be really, really cool. Uh, Brahm is an artist that has contributed a lot to the weird, uh, distinct feel of Diablo, and I'm interested to hear more about that creative process because I like art. Uh, I like hearing how art informs story and function, and Brahm definitely had a hand to play in that. So uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm also looking forward to Overwatch 2 and hearing how they've been developing with the concept of a co-op game in mind, considering Overwatch was created almost purely for PV. So there's a lot of lot of stuff I'm looking forward to uh, in particular. And then, of course, Community Showcase, because I love seeing what people in the community do. I really do. There's some very talented people in this community. I love watching uh, the cosplays and uh, the art and, and everything in between. So what about you? I can't believe you mentioned Braum and didn't even mention the Planescape. I was try- well, trying to keep it focused. No forget Planescape, uh, Dark Sun. Dark, yeah. Well, yes, yeah. but we'd only have so much time, and I could be here for a while talking about how much yeah. his art has influenced so many different one
2: things. Of this, one of the things I would love, and I don't think this is going to happen at BlizzCon line or anytime soon, but. I would love it if Blizzard finally went in back in on on tabletop role playing games. I mean, I think that that's something that they were doing in the early two thousands. Uh, they did World of Warcraft had multiple licensed games. Uh, there was actually a Warcraft game before World of Warcraft came out, mm-hmm. and then when World of Warcraft came out, of course the license holder was like, "Oh God, quick jump on that!" But you know, those books were actually pretty good. Um, they were good, solid third edition D and D books.
1: Um, it's where we get the current model from uh, of Ajara from. Is from that was the first time that they premiered the art for her. It was in one of those books. And, uh,
2: they also did Diablo 2 guide uh, Diablo 2 Diablery and Diablo 2 to Hell and Back, which was basically just taking Diablo 2 and making a dungeon out of it. Yeah. actual dungeon.
1: The monster manual that they created for it was a fantastic. I still have it sitting on my shelf. I still use it.
2: Uh, so that, there's all stuff I'd like to hear, but I don't expect to. Uh, I want to hear a lot more about Diablo Immortal. I want to know, I want them to come out and, and tell us what the monetization model is going to be. Yes. Not just hinted at it. They've hinted at it. They've dropped some clues about it. They've said some things. But I want to know how is this exactly is this going to work? Give me giving me the full rundown on this so I can know is this going to be worth trying to play? I I'm I'm kind of I'm a little burnt here, and this is nothing to do with, with with mobile versus live, It's live service.
1: Yeah. It's games as a ser- games as a live service is an, an it's a thing.
2: It's not always bad, but it has a real potential to be bad. And I'm going to say, one of the games I'm playing right now is a game I love. I absolutely love this game. It's called Assassin's Creed Valhalla. You knew I'd work it in. But it has a terrible problem with its live service stuff. Mm-hmm. They've they've made it very bad. You, you want to know exactly how bad it is. You can go look at all the videos people are making about how terrible this thing is right now. It's It's getting to levels of... It's getting close to levels of battle, of, of Battlefront 2. Um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't want that to happen with Diablo Immortal. I want to feel like I can play Diablo Immortal and not feel like I have to spend money to play it. And not only that, yeah. but
1: if you spend money, you get something out of it versus gambling, right? Like that's the other side of it, and that's where things usually go sideways. At least I'll say that for, for
2: Ubisoft and their version that
1: do a lot of gambling. Uh, but
2: yeah, I, I don't want to loot box too much. But, but regardless to that, that's one of the things I want to hear. I want to hear like some kind of idea of when they think Diablo four is coming out. Um, I also want to hear that for overwatch too. And I want to know how, how I can't do overwatch because it gets the, the, the frenetic pace of the stuff coming and going on screen when, when it's like team deathmatch stuff, it's just too hard for me. It makes my, my, my visual processing can't handle it. Um, it's one of the reasons I've never played overwatch, um, because I get motion sick watching it happen. Um, I can, I can handle single, like, like playing world of Warcraft. Although sometimes with the particle effects all the way up, I, I, I kind of like have to back away, but overwatch is just, Oh, he's over there. It just, you know, I start getting motion sick. I'm wondering, will I be able to play this game? So I would like to know if this is going to be something where it's going to be any, is there any possibility of a single player person playing this game, or should I just not worry about it now? That's one of the things I would like to know. I also want to know what to do with the story because Oh my God! I want to know what they're doing with the story. Oh yeah, man! They lost Michael Chu, which was an amazing loss. Really, I mean, people forget just how important he was to the story of Overwatch. So I want to like hear from the news, the current story team. I want to know what they're planning. Not like I've, obviously they're gonna keep stuff from us because you don't want to just tell everybody. It's not like if you ever want. There's there's a, like an old story I'll tell here. Do you remember the original when when Final Fantasy VII came to America? Do you remember the original trailer for it? Uh, vaguely they basically put eris's death like right in it like in like a love that can never be and shows basically shows you her oh death. yeah
1: i remember yeah 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 yeah
2: uh. and she doesn't die. she doesn't die in the remake so don't go tell me i spoiled nothing for you um i guess i spoiled that but whatever that's been out for a year and a half now guys come on i
1: was gonna say i think at this point we're we're pretty okay
2: but you know the original game you know came out in 1997 guys come on but regardless, there's this are the kind of things I want to hear. I want to know more about what's going on with the Heroes of the Storm, too, because Heroes of the Storm is like either incredibly not active or very very active, depending on wh- what you think about its current development schedule. You know what I mean? Like it's it's hard to know like how much is going on with Heroes of the Storm, and I would like to know is is this is this a game that you're going to keep pushing? Are you going to keep making stuff for it? Because I think in a way they kind of abandoned it a little too soon. Um, I feel like they should have given it more time. Quite frankly, I, I really, I feel like uh, it was a property that they really could have done a lot more with than they did. And I actually liked what they were doing with it. Their narrative stuff for Heroes of the Storm was really good and really interesting. And I thought it was a shame that they just pulled away from it so hard. Mm-hmm. And the support they had for like you know tournaments and stuff, especially at colleges. Ton more besides that, but I mean that we could sit here and do that kind of thing all day. And we do have to talk about other stuff. For instance, we kind of do have to talk about that PTR that happened. Yeah, uh, they put the nine point zero point five on the PTR. But also, we need to talk about the fact that this week, as of as of this recording, we are recording this on February sixteenth. Um, they have hot fixed Castle Nathria and specifically Castle Nathria rating to offer between thirty three and forty five percent more gear.
1: Yeah. I'm glad and, they did that.
2: I'm glad they did it, but I'm interested in, in the way they did it. Um, it implies that they're going to come up with a completely different paradigm for the next raid. That, that's just not going to well, work as Nathria. Because they they went out of their way to say that this is just in Nathria. I mean, we weren't expecting to get more loot in any raids from previous expansions. So that means that you're trying to, con- to make us sure we're, we, we're not expecting this level of root to drop in the next raid,
1: yeah. So I think I think a lot of that has to do with the simple fact that um, while Castle Nathria was not wildly different compared to. Uh, other raid drops from other tiers. Gear has been very hard to come by right now, even with the insertion of the Great Vault, and players are hurting for it. Like, it's one of the most vocal complaints, and not just from, like, hardcore players. We're talking about people all over, the like, casual players, people that are just playing this game for fun with their friends. Everybody's having that same complaint. It's like, we were literally just talking about this before we were even recording. Like, I can't get a mainhand weapon to drop worth anything today is the first day since world quests have been a thing for me that i've seen world quest with a weapon and it's not even for my primary spec it's for enhancement um which fascinating to me but there's definitely been seeing raid
2: weapons drop in uh revendreth mostly because i've gotten three twin weapons out of revendreth this month but i that that's been like what why is it keep ha- why does this keep happening in revendreth of all places, and why is it the same item twice like I yep. got an axe, like I got an axe and then I got the same mace like twice, and that's fine for me, but it it if it's just like nobody else I know has been able to use those weapons like I had except the other warrior I actually t- tipped off that the quest was up so he could go get it and it's been it's weird that I have to jump on these quests I'm full raid geared
1: mm-hmm
2: except for, like, weapons. Same. I haven't got a weapon to drop this entire expansion. Same here. So I, the second that I got my Renown level up high enough that I, that the world quests bumped up to one, uh, 187 and higher, I started having to... The second a weapon quest drops up, I have to take it. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's ideal, and it's not. Every time I, I've gotten so many versatility weapons, I can't even tell you. For some people, versatility may be great. It's not that great for a warrior, and it's just... Yes. The Great Vault, Vault as a replacement for bad luck, it's a, as a bad luck protection thing, it does not work. If you're intending it for that, it does not work.
1: At least not in the current implementation, right? Like it's not doing what it said that it was going to do. It's not doing what it said they were going to
2: do. I I feel like it is doing what they said it was going to do. I just feel like people didn't understand what they said. Like the Great Vault is basically just your mythic chest. The Mythic chest didn't exist as bad luck protection. It just existed as another bite of the apple.
1: Yeah, but now the expanding what allows you to get stuff in it does make a difference to players because there are, and I was talking about this with my uh, members of my guild uh, over the last couple weeks. Like, in concept, I think it's fine. And it's the idea of if you do content, at its core, the idea of if you do content, get a chest that has a chance of giving you other things to compensate is fine, but looking at it, we you and I talked about this a lot. It's expand what qualifies, make it more so so that there's a broader spectrum of people that can participate in it and get something out of it, first of all. But the other thing that I find interesting about it is the Great Vault has no form of item detection. I have literally had four things unlocked, like having four chances of loot rolls uh, across the Great Vault and have seen... Literally, and I put a screenshot out there several, several weeks ago. All four items are exactly the same, and it's an item I'm already wearing. So there's, there's no checks. There's no, and I understand people have been saying, well, you know, if you did this in a raid, you have the chance of getting the same loot. Yeah, that's true, but when you're rolling the vault and you see the same four pieces of gear or the same two pieces of gear, and it's something you're already wearing, that feels bad. And all this, no,
2: doing raids versus the great vault. I'm also let me say this much. If I'm killing like a bunch of bosses, the bosses have visualized loot table to some mm-hmm. degree, which means that this guy isn't going to drop the same stuff. maybe I'll get something from him, maybe I won't. but if I do, it's not going to be the same thing that dropped off the first boss in most cases. yeah sometimes they put gear on multiple bosses that yeah, does which happen.
1: they did in like Ejaro's uh, eternal palace right like- but
2: even then it's still there's a, there's a variety of things that might drop uh, with the great vault. It just takes everything that the entire expansion, the entire uh, instance has, and randomizes it. Yeah, like you'll get like this piece from this boss that you killed. And the problem with that is that, I mean, I'm getting the same trinket every week. I have gotten the same trinket show up every week. Mm -hmm. It's a trinket I already have. It's a trinket that's not even very good for a DPS. And it's like that trinket again. It's like I feel like there there should be a way to check off. Somehow, it should it should know, I don't need this trinket six times in a row.
1: Yeah, and, and, and to add in, like, I understand that coding these things is a pain, and I get it, but the fact that there is nothing like that in place is mind-boggling to me, and then combining it with the idea that you are, in order to get items from the vault, you are still technically doing what is considered high-end content, high-end group content, uh, whether it's PvP, whether it's... Uh, Mythic pluses or raiding, even uh, you, in order to get something of an appropriate level, you're pushing high end content that there's nothing like that in place. So I, I think there's two problems with it that that are that they need to be uh, compensated for. And I think this is going back to the the Castle Nathria portion. I think this is what they're trying to compensate for. Uh, it said when they, they came up with Valor Points last week when they yes. announced. Points. They they said that they weren't going to put valor
2: points in rating because they thought rating needed a different solution and people were of course upset but then of course like two days later they renounced their solution which was just to bump up the gear amount and that's fine but one of the reasons that I was never really pro great vault as a as bad luck protection I'm fine with it as what it is which is basically another bite of the apple it's just like a, it's basically like a it's a pat on the head consolation prize for you know it's 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 basically your participation prize for doing content it exists to get you to do more content which is fine that that's yeah, fine that's, that's fine i don't have a problem with it but it isn't bad luck protection because here's the thing about the bad luck protection that we actually had uh for like three expansions we had the coin rolls we had them from mr pandaria world of draenor legion and no so we have four expansions so from from Mists of pandaria up to the present, up to Battle for Azeroth, four expansions, we had the coin rolls, the, the which, bonus, which rolls. had its own problems, which had its own problems. The fact you were rolling did. against
1: everybody else. Um,
2: but but here's the thing
1: about it: they were targeted. Yes, you could you could apply them when you wanted to. Yeah,
2: this guy drops something I want. I will then roll, wait. Hold on to my coins and roll them here. Yeah, because that would give me an extra chance at this guy dropping the thing I want does it feel good when that doesn't give you anything and you spend all your coins in a week and you get gold or enema power or, you know, whatever it was called artifact power. No, it, it feels really bad. Nobody likes that. Um, I'm not saying, you know, the argument can't be, you know, well, if I roll a coin, I should get a drop. I mean, that's like, you, you, it's a coin, it's a chance, but getting nothing or getting something that is essentially nothing feels bad and that's, That was the problem with those, and I totally understood why Blizzard wanted to take them out.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: I really do. I'm not saying that, you know, ooh, bring back the coin, but the coin as bad luck protection actually served as bad luck protection. The Great Vault doesn't. Yeah. And And there's
1: a level of that in there. Yeah, and I think that's what they need to look at going forward, and I think if they're going to keep loot as tight as they're doing, which I understand that there's a, a feedback loop that they're trying to maintain or perfect or whatever, and that every expansion, it becomes a little bit different, especially with the elimination of Titan forging uh, or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I want, say this. I, want I, I want to say this because I have not said it up to this point.
2: Sure. It was the best decision they ever made. I would agree. I really like that. You don't have to go every week Maybe it'll be, like, be better. Oh, maybe the good one will drop now. I mean, it should either be the good one or not. You I not Like, I got it, but I want the the better one to drop, so I have to keep. And I, I say this as a guy who often got the the War Forge slash Titan Forge version to drop. I got fairly lucky with that kind of thing, at least in Mists and in Warlords. I did, and yet it's not really fun. Because then you're like you're sitting there going, okay, now I need to kill that guy every week until he drops the Titan Forge version or whatever, and then I have to do it again because I need two of them, and it's just yeah, no, it it doesn't feel good. It's not great.
1: Yeah, but I think if they give because of that, and I think that's I think it was a good choice. I'm on the same page with you there. I think looking at the Great Vault, I think it needs to be reevaluated, and I think. That if they're going to keep being as stingy with loot as they are, which again, going back to the feedback loop, I understand you want players to play your game, you want them to be inside of it, you're trying to find ways to increase player engagement but if you're grinding your players down because they can't fill that one piece that they need uh or they're stuck using something that they got out of a heroic and their uh, heroic dungeon and they're doing, you know, current tier heroic raiding and they can't get anything better then there's a problem that needs to be looked at because there is no that positive feedback loop isn't there anymore and if Nothing the great is- vault is meant to help with that they need to evaluate how that's working.
2: Yeah, but I got to say this. This is not a problem. This is to me, my mind, this almost feels like a problem that was solved before. Yeah, I would agree. Because introducing valor points and then having the valor points just exist to bump up the item level of the pieces you win like that drop for you, that's fine, I guess.
1: But I mean, I'm okay with
2: it. Valor-, valor points used to be we have vendors who will sell you gear
1: mm-hmm.
2: for valor points. And I feel like there I don't know why that's bad, because the Val- the valor point gear with, with some mistakes near the end, the, the the Valor Point gear that you could get from from Sunwell Island, the uh, Alakualdenas was actually too good. It was straight up like it was it as was, good
1: it as was, Black Temple gear. Yeah, it was better than Black Temple gear, depending on your class. Like it if you're a Shaman, there. that's what you went and got.
2: But that so yeah, that I I get you. But the initial the initial execution and the way it was executed in other cases, where it was good enough, it was okay. I can at least fill this hole so I'm not using like a piece that's twenty items too low. You know what I I don't get why we can't at least re examine that possible Let idea.
1: me ask you a, let me ask you a question. Um so and I've been thinking about this a lot lately too, regarding loot in particular, is would a going to almost a full token system feel bad or good? No, because of Castle
2: Nathria. Because we have a token system for weapon drops.
1: But only weapon drops. I'm talking
2: about going back to a token system for everything. The weapon drops tokens have made weapons feel awful. This expansion, uh, they don't drop enough. They're they're highly sought after. Nobody wants to trade it to anybody because everybody wants a weapon so bad. So you don't get any of that. A piece dropped. Nobody my, wants it. Let but somebody will use it. Let's, I mean, my let's, my
1: counterpoint to that is, I've gotten exactly zero loot out of Castle Nathria as it is. So I mean, like loot yeah. loot in general just doesn't drop there for me. And I'm not I'm not being hyperbolic in that at all. Like everything I'm wearing, I've gotten from a world quest or pulled out of the vault in some capacity, or have gotten out of uh, something that isn't directly the Castle Nathria. And then after I get it, then it drops for me in Castle Nathria.
2: I've gotten a few pieces in Nathria, but my weapons, for example, are not from Nathria because I've yet to see a single weapon drop in that since. And the Great Vault has not provided me. Uh, I don't... Like, I don't know. I don't... I don't it's I've a hard not
1: problem had, to solve, right? I've like, it's...
2: had enough experiences with tokens over the years to that, that I ever feel like tokens are the way to go. Like, I've... Like, just my... my, my I remember Firelands is a really good example of this. There was no DPS shoulder for warriors or paladins or death knights for that matter other than their tier there just wasn't a dps plate shoulder there were tanking plate shoulders and this was of course back when we had the distinct difference between tanking and dps but in which we don't really have for armor as much anymore Mm -hmm. all armor basically has the same stats now but there just wasn't anything and so you had to get your tier and that meant everybody wanted that token and it just Granted, we don't do that kind of competition anymore. It just either drops for you or it doesn't. But if you're like your sixth, seventh, eighth week in, and the token just isn't dropping, and now, you, like, are the tokens going to be for any piece of gear, or are they going to be for like, here's your trinket token? the The problem with that is it's going to make. I can see like the argument that that makes gearing really uninteresting.
1: Yeah, and and that's why I'm bringing it up as a as a question because like, it's it's an interesting problem that I don't know if we have. The skill set to solve as outside observers, because at the end of the day, anything. I'm sorry. Don't don't, don't go thinking I can solve any of this stuff, guys. <laughs> yeah, oh my we're, God. we're we're not game developers. We're not the folks working on the game. Everything we say should be taken with a grain of salt. Um, and generally, it's usually colored by the eyes and perspective of of a consumer of the product. But like, I wouldn't be mad if tokens were a little more present. Personally. And maybe it becomes, like, turn this in for any piece of armor, turn this in for any trinket, or maybe it's a trinket and weapon, and then they drop more often. And, like, it allows, to me, like, a system that allows players a a little bit of an ability to fill in gaps on their own, I think is not necessarily bad. But I understand what you're saying, too. Like, it, it can feel uninteresting, but the question is, is feeling interesting worth the feeling bad of all the other players that don't get it? And, and uh, the-
2: I was just thinking about it as you were talking about it. Okay, One of the things that I think would work better than just having everything be tokens is have the regular gear that drops in the instance. Just have it the way it is right now, but then add to every boss's loot table a token that might drop and if it does drop, you can redeem it for anything else they drop.
1: I, you know, I think that'd be fine. Just,
2: yeah, I, I think that way the itemization can still be interesting and weird. You can still have pieces that one of the, my favorite things about some of the itemization we get, especially near the end of the expansion, is when they start playing around with really bizarre procs. Mm-hmm. Like the best weapon, that I've, uh, the most fun weapon I've ever had to use was the two handed sword off of uh, Deathwing, Girthalock which basically just spawned random tentacles that shot you with, like with the priest mind flight. <laughs> yeah. You it, it could spawn multiple. And if you had two of them, they could each proc them. So I was dual wielding those things in that raid while DPSing. Cause, cause I didn't always tank. I w- I'd usually tanked, but uh, when I had two girthalocks, it was crazy and it was completely broken and it was fun. It didn't need to get fixed because we were in the last tier anyway, and you'd already killed Deathwing twice to get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't really breaking anything at this point to make it easier to kill Deathwing. We've already done it. Uh, but I do think that there's like I want to keep that aspect of itemization. I want to keep the ability to put in weird stuff like my bizarre trinket. I'm going to actually look at this trinket because it is strange.
1: But it, and I'm fine and I'm fine with that too. Although I yeah, would
2: this say one, that which, if you're watching the stream. Your damaging abilities have a high chance of, to deal 303 physical damage, healing you for 300% of the damage dealt. If if this effect uh, overheals, then deal 1278 physical damage split between nearby enemies over 15 seconds but suppress the life the, the life steal effect. So it's what this trinket is like it requires to think about it. You know what I mean? This, this trinket is... But it's a good trinket. I like having it. I use it. It's, yeah. It does decent damage. I, I don't want to get rid of that level of... it. I don't want to get rid of the fun, weird itemization.
1: Yeah, and then I think... There's nothing that says you have to get rid of it to do anything else, right? Like, you can still have weird itemization. The problem that I have is when they swing so hard into weird itemization, like they did with the corruption procs. And it was a good idea in concept and it created some very fun stuff if you were dps if you were a healer i felt that there was literally no value in anything for me aside from raw raw stat output so like i didn't get to play with some of the fun things that a lot of other uh, other classes did because i'm primarily a healer so like having trinkets now that have weird procs I'm fine with that. Like, I have a trinket now that slows a target by 30% while I rip the soul out of their body and shove it into myself to heal myself and give myself more crit. Like, it's a cool, weird thing that any of my specs would feel good using. So it's like there's a line there with the procs as well that, that needs to be observed, because you don't want... And it was a common complaint I heard back during the end of Battle for Azeroth is... I feel there's no value in any of the procs for me. So what do I care? Like this itemization is boring for me because I can't use it, or because it doesn't matter or it doesn't affect my primary. Right. So yeah. like I, I want weird procs, but I want weird procs that feel like they do right now. I'm pretty good with it. Well, I mean, we probably actually need to move on at this point. We've talked about this quite a bit
2: and <laughs> yeah. have some stuff to cover. So as much as I think we could talk about this for a lot longer, I oh, we could show about it, but, yeah, um, so we're going to move on and do some emails. Uh, if you have an email or question for the show, there's a couple ways you can get it to us. First is to email it to us, obviously. I said email it like three times there. Uh, it's podcast at blizzardwatch.com is the email address. A subject line, podcast or blizzardwatch, so you know it's for the show. Or you can do that thing where you say, you know, for either show, and then just whoever's looking for emails first will grab it. That's mm-hmm. how that, um, there's also some, like, you know, weird Vulcan music plays, and I'm too lazy to get involved in the actual fight, so Joe usually wins. But regardless, uh, you can do that, or you can go to our Patreon, to our Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel if you're a patron, and I recommend that. Be a patron. We, we It helps us. We like it. Uh, it helps us do all the stuff we do content-wise, and it will help us do more content in the future. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to the Q questions channel, which is not patron-specific. We do still look there, too. One of the questions here came from that
1: today. So, uh, Joe, if you don't mind reading them for us. Not at all. First question. Hi, boys. I just wondered what you think the best way for the war between the light and void will happen. I was thinking about how the covenants work, and it's clear that we are headed towards the same light-slash-void. Uh, it seems like AU Draenor seems to be the staging ground for it. But how do you see it shaping up? Personally, I hope the Meldraxi story ends with the Gladiators taking off their hoods and you find out they were all ogres who were recently killed by the Lightbound in Draenor. I would love to see something dramatic happening on the actual planet, like the AU Draenor stop spinning and is stuck with one side always facing the sun and the other side facing the darkness, leaving old Draenor in, uh, in the area in the middle we can explore, both the cold darkness and hot deserts. I think the visual juxtaposition would help sell the story. Huge fan, keep doing what you're doing. This is Uthos, who is a proud patron supporter. Thank you, Uthos. Make me feel bad now, because I'm gonna tell you I don't want them to ever do
2: that (laughs) storyline. I don't want another I want at least the the like what we're doing now is fine and I'm totally on board, but I don't want to get stuck in anything where I have to pick a side between two combating factions. You know where I'm going with this? Like I don't want my shadow priest friends are all get picking up pitchforks to go stab my my paladin yeah. friends. No, I'm right I don't with you. I don't want to do that. Um, if anything, I think it would be kind of cool if they did do a light dark storyline like the the light and the void are, are fighting. If we kind of have to play monkey in the middle and try and stop both of them. Like, you know, like we're trying to explain to the light we, we really appreciate all that stuff you do where you illuminate things and make life possible, but you're worse destroying things. Yeah, you got to back it take it down a notch and for that matter to the void i don't like the crazy that that you could stop driving me insane that would be great but i do enjoy all that stuff like possibility and potential that's i think we're on the same page there i think we both enjoy being able to not having the future spelled out for us because anything could happen that's cool now stop driving people crazy with tentacles that 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 part doesn't need we don't need any more of that we've we've had quite enough tentacles from you fellas and I'd, I'd be okay with that. Um, there's nothing wrong with your idea that you mentioned. It's not something I... I don't think that old Draenor is there anymore. Like, I'm pretty sure it's gone. That seems to be the implication of the the um, Maghar storyline when they became an allied race back in Battle for Azeroth is that old Draenor is done. Um, I would be okay. I'd be totally glad to find out that's not the case, that the Maghar have... Like, it was from one perspective, and it turns out that from a different perspective, the planet's still there and there are people still on it. That would make me happy. Um, I also don't really like the idea of the Lightbound as this, just c- cartoonish villains who are like all fanatics and all, you know, I would like them to present both sides as having a point. Uh, I felt like they actually did a decent job in of uh, Draenor. I mean, granted, the the people who were working directly for the Iron Horde usually weren't the ones who had a point, but we had the the, uh, the, both the orcs that you, you worked with in Frostfire Ridge and the Draenei that you worked with in Shadowmoon Valley, they, they had sympathetic characters on both sides. I've never forgotten Gennar's death. Yeah. His death, that's, go watch those videos sometime. Go watch both of them. Go we'll watch the Shadowmoon Valley one and watch the Frostfire Ridge one. They're both really good. And they give you an idea of like, yes, this guy isn't necessarily nice. He's not a nice person, but he cares about his people and he cares about his world and he wants to like, you know, save them. And he's willing to do what has to be done to do that. He's willing to lie down, lay down his own life. So I want to see stories that, that, that don't just give me, you know, these two cosmic forces duking it out. I want to see people. And I think that's one of the, where battle for Azeroth worked. It was when it was showing me people.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Like the, showing
2: me the, the cost of these things,
1: the people against the backdrop of the larger war, right? Like that's, that's fine. I think that's a good place to be.
2: I, I mean, I don't know anybody like I, I kind of got tired of hearing about Sorfang's orc pain, but Sorfang himself as a character was was compelling. It was it was interesting to watch him because he was he wasn't just a one note orc good, you know, human bad. He was very much. a We've done horrible things.
1: He was an onion. He had layers.
2: Yeah, we have. We've done horrible things. We can't go back. We can't fix them. We can't just make them not have happened.
1: But how do we move forward? What is our path forward? Like That was the existential question that he was trying to pose.
2: When he died, yes, he died because he wanted his heroic death, and that's that's truly part of it. But at the same time, he did it standing up to somebody who, who thought they could just destroy hope and, and grind everybody into the same ideal. And he was like, no, we'll never let you do this. We'll never lie down for you. You might kill us, but you're not going to beat us. And that's like, there's a lot to the character. There's a lot to the storytelling. There's a lot to like characters who came up from it, like uh, Zappy Boy. there, a con. There's a lot more that we got to see. It's it's always better when we get to see the the, the I don't want to say the human cost because obviously if you're playing an orc, you don't care about the human cost, but the personal cost of these giant things that happen. You don't watch. Nobody wants to watch a movie about World War II that never talks about the cost to the people involved. That's just all, you know, if you want that, watch a documentary. If you want fiction, fiction is about people. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to see. If there's any light, dark war that comes up, if we have the void and the light fighting, I want to see what it does to the people.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, like, we already have a really good, like, entry point for that, too, right? You have Elyria and you have, oh, why can't I remember his name now? Oh, my God. My name, my brain is going blank. Her husband? Yeah. Oh, God. Why? Why brain? You're surprised you did it to me now? <laughs> Trillion. Trillion. Thank you. Wow. Sorry folks. What it's been a it's been an interesting day. Um, but you have a really good like meat of a story there because of the conflict between those two. Those are like at the if they put it at the center of a conflict between light and void, it would make a lot of sense. They've already started laying the seeds for that since Legion, which I think is really cool. They just haven't done anything with it recently because, well, we've been sort of preoccupied with the whole going to the Land of the Dead thing. So if they could give me a story about the the Light and the Void and the war there and how everything interacts... And give me the tension between those two, you know. And there was hinted at in like the visions of Nazoth, where you have Alaria going fully void and killing Teralian and taking their son and, and everything like that. But the reason it worked so well is because that's something that's in the mind of anybody who's observed her, or read the comics, or or listened to the stories, or listened to the interactions between those two, and understand how. Anathetical, the light is to the void. How those two hate each other so much, and yet here's this couple that have been in love and devoted for you know thousands of years at this point because time is weird and but you could have a really compelling, really interesting story that revolves around the cost of that war between those two as, like, sort of the center point. And I'd be here for it. And I'm with you on the same same boat. I don't really want them to do something with A.U. Draenor like that, uh, where the story revolves fully around the planet and all that other stuff, like, being stuck. It's not that it's a bad idea. It's just not the story I want. I want something more personal. I want something more gritty. It's the same reason... Where, not to get on like the Star Wars front, but it's the same reason why Rogue One is such a good movie to me, is because it's not really about the war, it's about the people. And even the old World War II movies, the best ones, were all about the people, at least to me. Um, And even horror movies that I love and, and I get really into, it's about the people, and not necessarily always about the monster. I want that sort of level of intimacy and if they can give me a story of the war between the light and the void where we're in the middle, and we're trying to uh save the cost of that war from happening, maybe it's unraveling the existence of the or the fabric of reality that we 're trying to to keep together, and at the center of it is a personal story. Uh, for individuals that are, are, are at the opposite ends of that or or what it means for them, what they're losing or what they're gaining or, or what they're fighting for, then it becomes compelling and I'm here for that. So, but I hope that answers your question. I think we can move on to the next one here. Uh, dear Cold Observers, the mission table for Shadowlands does not feel right. Am I doing something wrong? It requires too much thought for a metagame. If I screw up, it requires too much anima to heal followers for someone who cannot grind anima. I don't even have the time for dungeons. At this point, I would love to raid again. I miss it so much, but I can't, and I feel like Blizzard went from a great model with Nazos visions, which allowed for challenging solo content, to, have so much, uh, to ha- having so much to do that I can't keep up. And now, I can't play the mission table game either. Also, I saw an article that Activision is planning to use the Warzone model for its IPs, including WoW. What on earth does this mean? So, I mean, do you even bother with the mission table? Do but I do like one or two a day.
2: I don't really like. I don't work very hard at it. I just like I throw a couple up on my way out to. The- yeah, I kind of do too. I feel like there's this cool idea in the mission table, but I never really got tremendously invested in it. It just it, it didn't grab me. Like I, I there's other stuff I do I, I like a lot more. So yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. There, I think the mission table is another example of something that I think fell just a little bit short of what it was intended to be. And 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 I could be wrong. I could be completely off base here, but it feels like the original idea was for it to be something similar to uh, almost an auto chess battler, but it's really not. It's the same old mission table that we've had for years with extra slots and a new animation. And it's roughly the same thing. The only difference is now there's that element of auto chess where you have more things that you have to evaluate on a table and compare. You have more, more abilities that you need to manage. Uh, And I agree. I think that the anima cost for healing is way too high. And part of that is because, they want you to grind Anima to increase your mission table's level so that it doesn't cost as much to heal, but you're still in the same point of grinding that much Anima. And I get it. People don't want to do it. I'd be flat out with you. I'm not grinding Anima. I don't care. Uh, I've done that grind for everything else so much that it's just it's not a system that I care about. I get a thousand Anima or a little bit more sometimes a week.
2: Same. I have a quest that requires that. And that bumps my Renown level by one. That's the one I do. I So I do that, and then I'm done. And I think that a lot of people are in that same boat. Um, between that and having to get, you know, Ash, um, Soul Ash for Legendary type stuff, I just bumped up my Legendary to the second tier just because I just have not been focusing on it. Um, there's just, there's a lot to grind. Uh, but to answer your second part of your question with the Warzone model, Call of Duty Warzone's uh, a game. It's a Call of Duty franchise game. It's a free-to-play battle royale.
1: Yeah, it's on the battle.net Battle.net launcher right now. If you have, if you have it yeah. on your PC,
2: along with like several other uh, Call of Duty games. Um, and the thing is, what they're saying is Warzone is extremely popular. It, it is one of the, I think it is currently the most dominant um, Call of Duty model. It's basically it they is. put out. Warzone... And you don't even need to own or buy Call of Duty Modern Warfare to play it. Yeah. You basically just get Warzone free. Like, you just go get the Warzone app that's free, and then you can play in this Battle Royale Call of Duty thing, and it's incredibly popular, and it is is generating income because it is a free-to-play game, and we all know how free-to-play games do that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not play Warzone, so I can't tell you is it balanced. Is it? Do you need to like spend tons of money to be good at it? I can't tell you. But it is extremely popular. And when they say they want to do the Warzone model, basically what they're saying is they want to introduce that kind of free-to-play, uh, addictive gameplay loop to other franchises of theirs. They want that kind of thing. For it. it's basically a different. It's a different approach to the concept of live service or games as a service. They want to basically yeah. make a Call of Duty game that is... that's The Warzone is the Call of Duty game that answers that need, that gets people to, to get in a gameplay loop and play and play and play. I don't feel like World of Warcraft needs to worry about this. World of Warcraft has successfully been doing this since 2004. I'm still here, guys.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, the article that... I, I know which article you're referencing um, as far as that goes, and that article is making an assumption. Nothing was said that they're going to do. Right. And honestly,
2: literally, literally all that's said is that they want to use the war zone model.
1: Yes. For more that's, games, for more games. That's it. Yes, That's it. They didn't say for
2: every single franchise that we have, uh, but they said they just would, they would like to have that for more of their games. And, and that's
1: it. And that's fine. And, and I think it, what you're going to see is you're going to start seeing things worth like, And the free-to-play model is not something new for Blizzard, right? You had Heroes of the Storm. Heroes of the Storm was free-to-play, and you paid for cosmetic stuff, or you could buy loot boxes, and they put loot boxes, and that was successful. Um, The the thing that I think is going to be interesting, the model for Warzone is the same as almost every Battle Royale in which it does what's called a battle pass. Heck, even uh, at this point, Rocket League has a battle pass. Um, it's one of those things where you pay the $10 a month uh, for to, to go through a, th- or a period of unspecified period of time or whatever the, the, the value is to earn rewards, and those rewards are supposed to be enough to keep you playing. And that does work in Battle Royales. It worked for Fortnite. It's how Fortnite got to be so huge. It's working for Warzone. That's one of the reasons Warzone gets to be as popular as it is, because it gives Apex that Le- feedback loop. Yeah, Apex Legends, same thing. Apex like. Legends. But the idea of applying that to more games if done right, isn't necessarily a bad thing. I could see, uh, I'll make the the point, League of Legends, I think, does this too. I don't really play enough League anymore to really know the ins and outs of it, but it seems like there's something like that as well that they're starting to introduce to it. Um, It seems to be the way of the future for free-to-play games is instead of making players pay For all these packs and skins and everything individually, which they can do, they can still do that. It's if a player wants to just pay for the battle pass and earn rewards by playing the game, that's the avenue that they're going to go. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I could see that being applied pretty okay to games like Heroes of the Storm or even to a certain extent, Hearthstone. So uh, I think Hearthstone might even have a battle pass at this point. I don't remember. I haven't been playing a whole lot of it. But again... WoW is going to be probably fairly exempt from that because WoW makes money, right? WoW is not in the hole. It doesn't cost more money than it produces for them. And as long as that continues to happen, that model will not be applied to WoW. Um, it, the article that I know that the, the person is referencing isn't necessarily the one that just says they're bringing it to more games, but there was speculation that it would come to WoW. WoW won't be free to play unless the game is doing seriously bad. I mean, right now we pay our monthly fee. If you're listening to this, chances are very good you pay a monthly fee to Wow, and
2: that's... or you use the uh, if you buy a token to get game time type uh-huh. thing, Same someone thing. Someone else, yeah, someone else paid for that token, so someone else has basically bought your month of Wow in exchange for your gold. That's what that is. So in the end, they're still getting this. In fact, they're getting a little more. Yeah, it's like tw- it's twenty bucks for a token, so they're actually getting an extra five dollars to, to you know if you're doing it that way. Um, it, but in the end, it is all still being paid. And keep in mind too, Shadowlands was the fastest-selling PC game title ever for like a month.
1: Yeah. Oh Before
2: yeah. Cyberpunk 2077 came out, and nobody they didn't have to worry about like you know the problems Cyberpunk 2077 did because it was on multiple platforms. Wow, well, is just on like two platforms right now, uh, PC and Mac, and that's it there's no there's no computer there's no console version of wow so yeah they're they're doing fine world of warcraft is every time you get an earnings call in the past year it's been world of warcraft continues to perform better end over end it's like yeah every every quarter they've been doing better the chances of them having to
1: switch to some kind of free-to-play model is
2: not very likely.
1: Yeah. Uh, so hope that answers your question. Uh, our next one, Dear Watchers, uh, at the end of the Maldraxxus segment of the leveling campaign, the voice of the Primus says, Bring my warning to the Archon, the Winter Queen and the Sire. They must see to our defenses. Do not let Zovall reach the Sepulchre. The Arbiter is the final key. Protect her or all is lost. Do we have any idea what uh, Sepulchre he is referring to? Thanks again. Belloc of Dragon. Blue. No. No. <laughs> uh- I don't know, but I think it's interesting. he
2: says the arbiter is the final key because that makes me think it's orbos
1: yeah i I kind of think so too, like at least that's the way Orbus, it means.
2: orbos is in fact originally some kind of giant grave
1: marker. I me explain why there's all those all those doors looking off awful lot like tombstones, man they do they really, really do. I mean, it's an interesting interesting thing is like for those that don't know the word basically is is a monument made of of rock or stone uh and usually in which a dead person is laid or buried and we've been speculating about this a lot on lore watch which again shameless self-promotion listen to lore watch if you're interested in hearing what we think about oribos we've talked about it a bunch um oribos is definitely something that was created it is not naturally occurring and it seems like the Primus has more knowledge than maybe the others do. Maybe not, don't know. Uh, the whole idea that Kyrestia has her memories ripped out at some point, possibly. Uh, the Winter Queen might know, might not know. And Cired is now in a sword. Uh, so it's really hard to, to get a beat on whether or not he's being uh, forthcoming when we interrogate him. But the idea that this Orobos was created, I don't think is in debate. The idea that is in debate is what does it mean? What is Orobos? What was it created for? Because that's the part we don't know about Shadowlands and all these realms of death, is why. Why were they created? Why specifically these regions? Why were they made manifest in the way they are? Because they're all very distinct, and they all seem to have a purpose, but it seems like so much more than those zones are telling us their purpose was for. And I think it does all link back to uh, Oribos in some capacity. And I think Oribos is intrinsically tied to uh, the Arbiter. We again, Because, again, that's an entity we don't know much about. We know that the Arbiter exists. We know that the... Uh, uh, chamber of the Arbiter has projection tables for all of the key leaders of all of the Shadowland zones, including the cracked, uh, cracked pedestal where we assume uh, Zolval once was, you know, capable of of standing or projecting. But why? Why is Oribos important? What is it preventing? What is it doing? Is it a linchpin? Is it something? Because one of the interesting things too about it is Oribos is seems like it's namely a center point of everything at this. Everything flows through it, regardless of whether if the default goes to the mall after it does or not. It's in the middle. It's in that in-between point. All the souls that come into the Shadowlands are supposed to go there first. Is that why it was created, or is there something? We have no idea. (laughs) Uh, But the Primus seems to know a little bit more, which also might be why the Jailer made such a big deal of ripping the memories out of the Primus, because... I mean, we don't know for sure, but the primus and the rune carver seem like one in the same entity. We've talked about that a bunch, but yeah, it would seem like that would be a really good motivation of why you don't want him to remember anything. Uh,
2: anything else to add to that one, Matt? I think that pretty much covers it. Basically we don't know, but there's lots of reasons to believe it might be our Yeah. Uh,
1: and I think we have time for one last one, uh, which is great because we have one last one left. I think, Yes. uh, Greetings, Skardashian, Patreon supporter from the Grizzly Hills uh blizzard watch love the discussion about new specs not new classes but the big question to me is why are we still stuck at the 50 character limit with all the new races added it's hard to collect them all if you can't, if you've been playing for some time many tunes have memories and emotional links or even soul-bound items that no longer exist and i don't trust i won't lose the transmog if I'm making them difficult to de- uh, the, the next one is for lore and i'm definitely gonna- so yeah uh why are we stuck at the 50 character limit do you want to take a stab at it before i go in because it cannot be changed, there's nothing that can be done. Cease your arguments. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, they did it like way back when they were like, "No, who's going to want 50 characters?" I mean, they coded the game and they they put that in there because they're like, "What? There's like four per faction, like you know." So if they if they want to play one of every class and you want to use one of every race, and you're going to have one of every class of every race, I mean, come on. And they figured 50 was a big enough number, and it probably is for most people. Uh the vast majority of people probably don't have fifty characters. I say this as somebody who absolutely does have fifty characters, but I mean I've I've routinely gone delete sprees. So let me put it to you that way. There's winnowing, oh yeah, I didn't play that rogue again after that month where I got it to level forty. Boom, you're gone. Uh so yeah, I don't think I feel like that's probably something to do with the way the game was originally coded. Now they've done a lot of work on the game since. But it's always surprising, like how hard it was to change backpacks. So Think about backpacks, yeah. that worked, The amount of slots on backpacks, they had to work really hard to make it so you could get, uh, you could get it bigger with like racial abilities or the, uh, the, the launch, not the launcher. Uh, the, oh, bloody heck! Come on. The thing that lets you log into your account. I don't know the word for it at the moment. Authenticator. There you go. Uh, the authenticator. So there's a lot of work for these things. It's often surprisingly more work than you think. And it's probably a pretty, pretty significant amount of work to change the character limit without say accidentally erasing your characters, which they don't want to do. So I don't know. I honestly don't know why they have not changed it. I would think it's probably because it's non-trivial to change.
1: So I, uh, you, I, this is all speculation, uh, but this is from the tech nerd side of my, my geekery here. Um, I think that it's partially because of how the game was coded, but I don't think it's anything to do with the actual game engine code itself. I think it has everything to do with the servers and the storage system. So one of the the things that you have to understand is every character you have is a permanent object that is stored somewhere in a data center. And it sounds like that's not a lot, but here's the thing. Permanent object or persistent object storage is taxing on a system. And as you have more players that approach those limits, you now start opening yourself up to system degradation, depending on how solid your infrastructure is. There's a reason that there is new technology emerging that is trying to revolutionize uh, how object storage works, particularly within the last couple of years, because that is the biggest bottleneck for large game companies that try to do stuff like MMOs, as well as email companies and software companies that have large user bases. And even at a million users, if there was only a million users playing WoW, uh, which we know, I'm pretty sure it's probably a larger number than that at this point. Um, that's a lot of, of objects to store because every time you go to access your account, your metadata loads, it says here are all your characters on all of the servers that you have access to, and here's an output or a thumbnail of what they have on them. Then when you go to load into it, there's a reason why even with an SSD and super fast internet and all every bell and whistle you could possibly push, push out there right now, that blue bar still exists for us. It's not an instantaneous load. It has less to do with the realm itself And more to do with your character data from that permanent object storage or persistent object storage being called and pulled up because now you have to interact with everything in your bank, everything inside of your void storage, everything that your character has as far as data goes. And yeah, at the end of the day, it seems like bytes, but those bytes are being constantly accessed. Now spread that across everybody in your raid group. Now spread that across everybody in your guild. Now spread that across everybody on your realm. Now spread that across everybody on your whatever they call the combined realms now, war shards or where. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, requires more and more bandwidth, requires more and more processing power, requires more and more technical leverage to make it run smoothly. Imagine you had a blue bar every time you opened up your bag. Imagine you had a blue bar every time you opened up or swapped gear or changed specs. We already have it when we load through zones because we're moving through different instance servers and things like that. Imagine that exponentially exponentially. That's part of the reason why these caps existed and still, I believe, exist to this day. It's very expensive and very system taxing to increase that number because now if you don't have a cap, let's say you're that type of character that has 100 characters, I would be that person. I would just keep creating characters. I'm at the character limit almost every single time. It is very rare that I go on deletion sprees. And when I do, I generally do it because I want to create another character somewhere. Now, if I didn't have that limit, I would never delete anything. I am a digital pack rat. And I know I'm not alone in that regard. And I can know that somebody in chat or or somebody who's listening to this at home is the same way I am. I still have gear in my bank from vanilla that I refuse to get rid of just like you do here, Skardashian, where it's not that I I think that I'm going to lose the transmog, it's that that quote-unquote physical piece of gear took so much for me to get that I will never, ever, ever get rid of it. I worked too hard to get that. It has too much value to me personally. Now spread that across 100 characters. Spread that across 200 characters. Now you're starting to get into a system where, depending on how many players are playing or accessing it, It starts to degrade the experience for everybody. So I do believe that Matt is right in that there is a code partially coding related issue, but I would not be surprised if more of the decision to keep that in place is because one, who the heck needs 50 characters, unless, you know, you're me and just have 40 shaman. Um, But also... What point do you restrict down to keep everything running smoothly from a server standpoint? And I know dang well that the server team and the infrastructure team that work on these games is it's a constant struggle and they make the best decisions they can. And I have a feeling that this still being a cap has a lot. So that was a very long winded way of saying it's it's for our best interest that it stays that way, I think, because caps mean the games run. All right. Sorry about that. (laughs) Anything else you want to add, Matt? All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for today. So Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast and a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ad's free site experience. And as we are still in the month of February, uh, we are still doing a Patreon drive. Uh, so that means if you are not a supporter and you enjoy the content that we produce, please consider supporting us at Patreon. Everything that you can contribute does help us continue to keep the site operational as we are 100% driven by community. Uh, We've talked about this a bunch, but we wouldn't be here without you folks. So if you can spare a dollar and you can do that, please do so. Uh, We understand that if you can't, uh, but if you can, it's much, much appreciated.
2: Well, Thank you, Joe. Um, Again, people, if you've got an email or question for the show, you can hit us on our Patreon at the patreon q and podcast questions channel or the q questions channel or you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com the subject line podcast of blizzard watch this has been the blizzard watch podcast Uh, for myself and joe i want to say thanks to everybody for being here and we'll be back next week